0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into the RotoWire NBA basketball pod. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you. We're going to be talking NBA futures bets, news, notes, injuries. Schedule updates at the break. We'll take live viewer and listener questions later in the episode as well. Let's hit it. Brandon, what's going on, man? Uh, it's been a a long week since chatting with you. We don't have a ton of basketball news, unfortunately, to get to. Uh, perhaps fortunately. I know if you were uh, grinding away at the Orlando Magic Arena, I will always call it the Amway Center. I have no idea what it is currently called. I'm still, th- this is the case for like every sports arena, stadium, This you know, NFL, hockey, baseball, NBA, like whatever the stadium was named in like 2008 is what it will permanently be in my head. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I haven't come around on the Casilla Center quite yet. Um, what? what even is that? The, that's the that's where the Miami Heat play. Uh, well, but what, I still right, call it American. Brand? I think I still call it American Airlines. Or yes, yeah. But I was, I, I totally see. get it. Now I'm contractually obligated to not call it the Amway Center, so I have made the right. swift change to. And I drive a Kia, so it's easy. It oh, was whoa. easy from day one to make. I'm not trying to brag or anything.
1: Whoa! So. Didn't know you drove a Kia, dude. <laughs>
2: So the um, Kia center so, rolls off the tongue for me.
1: I, I will the say so in the Kia center, pe- people complain when we don't talk basketball right away. So we'll try to keep this brief, but because you brought this up, I will say, so I'm I'm like softly in the market for a new vehicle. Like I, I have a Chevy Malibu that I tolerate. Don't love. Um, I had a, I had a Ford fusion that I absolutely loved. Uh, it started on fire two summers ago. um, So I had to get rid of that one. Um, It was not, not salvageable, not
2: on fire. Like we would talk about Steph Curry from the three point line, actually on fire,
1: like fire, fire. This isn't Uh, like like an NBA
2: jam situation.
1: Like it burned down my garage fire. Um, Yeah. That's a story for a different day, but uh, Kias and Hyundais in the Milwaukee area, at least are notably discounted. I mean, they're like 30% cheaper than any other used vehicle because there's a, there's a epidemic of car thefts in this area. Uh, by a group known as the Kia Boys with a Z. And they, they like, film these exploits. There's, like, a YouTube documentary. There's videos on social media. It's, like, a bunch of high school kids that go around stealing Kias and Hyundais specifically because apparently there's something about those two cars that makes them easy to steal. You can, like, hotwire them with a USB. That's the rumor, at least. So have the Kia That's Boys made it to Orlando? Uh,
2: not that I'm aware of, but I remember right, after right, I, bought, I I bought I bought the car not too long ago – and I remember I was telling somebody that I work with at the iHeart station in Orlando that I work at, and they go, "You know, Kias are the most stolen cars in America." Yes. And I thought, well, this is really good information to learn after I bought the car. And now I'm hearing about this, and I think th- that this might be the reason why it- they have soared to the top of the list. But I just Definitely. I choose not to live in fear, Nick. And it's a good car, so I uh, sure. I, I, uh, I sc- it comes with the. Comes with the Brandon Kravitz stamp of approval. And if it gets stolen, it gets stolen. You know, that's why you have car insurance.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk some All-Star Weekend. Uh, you know, we, we didn't do a pod on Monday with Alex. He was off. Uh, it was company holiday, President's Day, of course. Uh, that one snuck up on me. You could have told me President's Day was literally any day of the calendar, and I would have believed you. Um, so I, I have not really had a chance to fully vent on All-Star Weekend. We talked about it a little bit on, on the XM show, which, by the way, has now moved to a daytime time slot. Thank goodness. Uh, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern. You can catch us on SiriusXM Fantasy. I think this is going to go down as a disaster for the NBA. That seems to be the primary takeaway. I personally, Brandon, think this is completely overblown. I think this is kind of a a manufactured controversy where the NBA is almost hurting itself by trying to convince everyone that, all right, this is the year everybody's going to try. We we sent in Dr. J. We sent in Larry Bird. You know, they they talked to the guys. They're going to play hard. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I'm I'm okay with the NBA being an ex or the All Star game being an exhibition game. I don't really need four quarters of NBA Finals Game Seven intensity. Uh, I will say it's it's maybe swung a little too far in the lackadaisical direction. You know, we got Luka Doncic throwing up three quarters court shots. Uh, you got guys, you know, whipping the ball out of bounds all over the place. Like it was embarrassing at times. I, I will give that to the NBA, but. I I think there's a medium here where it doesn't have, like the NBA seems to want this to be as intense as possible. And the players want, want this to be as, you know, street ball as possible, which is totally fine because I I think that's the fun part of the all-star game is, you know, Tracy McGrady wearing two different shoes, throwing the ball off the backboard. And you know, that's, that's kind of what I come to the all-star game for. I, I think the proliferation of threes, maybe that's the issue. Like we're not seeing as many dunks. We're not seeing as many like highlight dribble moves, passes, things like that. It's turned into, Each team shooting 73 pointers, which is just not an appealing product. So I get that. But I I think this whole this whole thing about the All-Star game needing to be competitive. I I just I don't feel that way as a fan.
2: Yeah, I'm going to make a very obvious statement um, and we'll go in more depth than this. If you don't like it, if you don't think it's good, if it's not the competitiveness that you're seeking out, which I think you're you're turning on the wrong show, if that's what you're looking for, don't watch it. Your eyes are your wallets in this situation. If you don't like what the NBA is doing with the All-Star game, watch something else and then check back in when they start playing regular season games again. Or if you're among the uh, the community, and I doubt anybody listening to this is in that group because you play fantasy basketball, uh, but if you think the regular season, they don't try hard enough there, check in during the playoffs. You know, you can speak with your viewing patterns rather than just watching something that clearly makes you miserable there are so many people and that and this is what i come back to as i've talked about this for the last couple of days what exactly do you expect when you turn on the all-star game and why do you think that in 2024 it's that different from what it was 20 years ago i give you the 90s were different the 80s were definitely different I think they were hard fouling each other in the 70s. This is not Pete Rose running a, a catcher over at home plate. You know, that, those days are gone in any All-Star game, and especially in the NBA. The NFL did away with their All-Star game altogether for exactly that reason. We are far removed, and I think every fan would agree. I'd much rather my star player be healthy and optimized come playoff time than to give it a max effort during the All-Star game because at the end of the day, who really cares? Nick, I went back and looked at highlights from 2008. This was almost 20 years ago. People are saying that we have reached an all-time low for All-Star Games. Go back and watch the highlights from the 2008 All-Star Game, which our precious Kobe Bryant was a part of, who always gave it his all. That looked exactly the same as what we watched, but you brought it up. It's the three-point shot. We're seeing way more threes, and so it looks different.
1: Mm-hmm. You said exactly what I was going to say, which is, I think we are misremembering, you know, the all-star game historically. And I know if you go far enough back, yeah, it used to be at least more competitive, but you know, I, I think the the score is one thing that was shocking, right? Seeing, seeing 211 on your score graphic, that was not what Adam Silver wanted. I, I thought the, the trophy presentation by Silver was incredible. The, well, you scored the most points. There you go. Like that was just an, that was, that summed up perfectly. I think how Adam Silver felt about this. he was, Visibly upset and I think embarrassed in some ways, but again, you know, why, why did they think things were going to change this year? What, what, what changed over the last calendar year, uh, other than having, you know, two old guys and Julius Irving and Larry Bird tell the players, Hey, please play hard. Like what, what changed? Why, why would, why would this be the year that, that everything would, that switch would flip? I I have no idea. And you're totally right. You know, they they replay these old all-star games, especially during the all-star break. Like I have NBA TV on in my office all day, every day, and they replay these old games. It looks the same. And yeah, the scores were lower, but the equivalent of scoring 200 points in 2005 was scoring like 150 points, which is what was happening in these all-star games. So yeah, I I think there's this collective, like we're forgetting that the all-star game has never really been all that competitive. I, I Like you said about the threes, that's the one thing that you know, it, it's maybe gone a little too far. Everybody, you know, you just come down, toss up a three. All right, somebody grabs a rebound. Go do the same thing on the other end. There were not as many threes uh, in previous All Star games. We were seeing more dunks. We were seeing, you know, more one on ones. You know, there's some of those classic clips of like, you know, Kobe and LeBron going one on one for a possession. Like, you get these these singular highlights within a game. I just pulled up a random one, 2006 All Star game. This was a 122-120 win for the East. And this was at the time that teams were scoring like 85 points a game. Uh, oftentimes this was peak Detroit Pistons, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, the Eastern conference attempted 21, three pointers in that game, <laughs> 21 in an all-star game. We've, we've like quadrupled that. Yeah. Uh, so I, to me, that's, that's the thing I would fix is I don't, you can't really go out and tell the players like, Hey, stop taking threes, but just be like, Hey, cool, just cool it on the threes a little bit. I think it'll be a better product. If we do a little bit more, you know, kind of singular one-on-one, just try to do something that's not, you know, jack of three, four seconds into the shot clock. I think that would actually go a long way toward improving the product. Um, I have an
2: idea. I have an idea that just sparked okay. to my mind with you bringing that up because they used LED courts throughout the course of the weekend. And okay. I don't know if these LED courts are play ready. They were good enough for dunk contest and a three-point shooting contest. But I heard commentators say, this is nice, but they're a little too slick to be played on. But if they get to the point where you can do that, It would be fun if during the All-Star game, there were moments where the three-point line just disappeared, where they actually were able to take the three-point line out of the game, and then at other times in the game, it reappeared. Oh, look, the three-point line is back. They could spice up the game that sort of a way and and create this uh, more of a need to to go one-on-one. Because here's the thing. You're right. There were more threes, but it's not like this looked like a college basketball game where it was Clink City. They right. were going in like that was the thing that I was watching this game and I was amazed. Now, did I see max effort? Absolutely not. I'm not try- tr- trying to paint a picture that doesn't exist. But Nick, these guys were knocking them down. I don't have the per- do you have the percentages in front of you? I think they sh- I think both sides shot a pretty high percentage. That's what it felt like yeah. watching it.
1: Well, I think the East especially um, this is not updated on basketball reference. Um for some reason, yet uh, I could find I could find you the box score, but yeah, they, I mean the East specifically shot the lights out. I think you know, I mean Tyrus Alberton had five threes in like the first five minutes of the game.
2: Yeah, that was and that um, was awesome. Like, yeah, they're shooting more threes. So the the East, yeah, you're right. The East shot 43 percent. The West 35 percent. But the East got 97 little...
1: threes. <laughs> 97.
2: <laughs> it's crazy. The, the East made 42. The West made 25. They're shooting too many, yeah. but they're also ma- they're making them. Those are those are good numbers for a regular season yeah. game. And and they're and from where they're shooting the ball from. So yeah. I think that that is the way that we are definitely choosing we're looking through the nostalgic lens and it's warping reality. The All-Star game really hasn't changed that much from an effort standpoint, but shooting threes at a high clip, looks like you're not trying as hard. It's the same right. thing people complain about during the regular season. It's the same thing I hear people complain about when they play a pickup game at an indoor court. It's like everybody just wants, wants to jack up threes. It looks like you're not yep. trying as hard as when you go into the paint.
1: Yet again, Stephen Curry has ruined basketball, Brandon. He's done it. So it's a, And
2: it's a mix. It's a mix of the top two stars because Steph Curry brought ushered in the volume three game that has impacted the all-star game and LeBron ushered in the friendship era and so none of these guys want to go at each other because they're all buddy buddy this used to not be a buddy buddy league and that's and that's how a lot of people that are nostalgic about the 80s and 90s remember Magic and Bird hated each other MJ hated everyone those days don't exist these guys are out there hugging and clowning with each other whether they're on the same team or not and that's just where we are in the nba now i think we've a lot of folks out there have wasted a lot of breath worrying and stressing over the all-star game it it is what it is i don't think it's going to change anytime soon they would have to move it i think that's the only way without going into the specifics of the game itself i think you'd have to get it out of february these guys do try hard in exhibitions before the season starts. If they have a pickup game at, in in Brooklyn or, you know, all those different places they play pickup, they, they go hard in those games. Yep. You're not going to get – these guys are on a break. They play a busy schedule. They've got a busy schedule ahead. The playoff schedule is grueling. A lot of those players that you saw during the All-Star game are going to be in the playoffs. They're not going to give you max effort. If I made cotton candy for a living and you gave me a weekend off and I went to the cotton candy all star game, I'm not going to try as hard as I would when I'm like, I want a break. It was a weird analogy using cotton candy. I'm just trying to explain that when you get a break doing the thing that you even if it's the thing you love and the thing that you're great at, you still need a break. And even though these guys are in that game, they still view it that way.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement.
1: I was glad that Anthony Edwards was the one guy who came out and said it. Like, I don't want to play hard. The guys don't want to play hard. And he basically parroted what you just said. He's like, this is the all-star break. It's the all-star game. You know, people don't want to come out here and go hard. I mean, some of these teams played on Thursday night, and I I think including the Timberwolves, right? Including Anthony Edwards, including Giannis and and Dame Lillard and Stephen Curry. It's like, it's not, they have bigger breaks between games (laughs) during the regular season than they do uh, between their previous real game and the all-star game. So I actually applaud Anthony Edwards for being the one guy who you know lebron everybody else was like yeah you know we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll try to play hard and edward's like no i'm not playing hard i'm shooting left-handed that's not what it's about
2: me. and there no. and, and you also have to compare the all-star game now compared in i think a lot of people just don't see this side of the nba it's different than it was in the 90s or even the early 2000s these guys have functions to go to every single day they are at wherever the all-star game resides this is not just kick back relax and then on sunday night you play a basketball game it's so much more intense than that and so these guys are worn out and they're already worn out from the season i'm not trying to throw anybody a pity party but just understand the this is a this is like a work convention while you while everyone else in the league is allowed to kick back relax and hang out with their families and these guys are still in a position where they're supposed to entertain you um they just yeah they don't care and i don't think there's really anything you could do about it
1: all right so we got a a comment here he says they should play the all-star game by conference uh which which they did do this year the winner gets game seven at home they will start trying harder i don't think so i don't think so i mean the, the majority of the guys in this game probably know they're not playing in the nba finals right um you know, is, is, is Scotty Barnes going to going to go really super hard for the 17 win Raptors uh, because you know they have a chance to to get Game Seven at home? I, I just don't. I don't think they so. tried this I don't, in
2: baseball; it didn't work, and they changed it for no. exactly that reason. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah,
1: it doesn't work. I, I don't. I don't think that would be enough. I know some people have said, "Oh, you you know, pay everybody five million dollars, and then they'll go hard." Like maybe. I don't really think that's the way that the NBA wants this to go, where you're you're just paying off players to to try a little bit harder. I think that's a
2: weird look too. It's a weird optic because these guys already make so much money and now they need to make loads more in order to care about this. It, I, the only way to change it in terms of effort is to move the date. I think it's – and things have yeah. just simply – I know it used. To, it's always been in this spot, but just based on the way these guys are managed as athletes, the schedules that they now have in front of them – Every series is seven games in today's NBA. That was not the case back in the day. Uh, I I think if you want max effort, make this a Christmas event. I, do you do you agree if they if they said if the all star rather than an all star slate on Christmas Day, this game was on Christmas. Do you think they would try harder?
1: Uh, uh, I don't think it'd be enough time, right? I mean, that'd be too early in the season. Whereas you know now it's like the two thirds mark. That would be like the one third mark. No, I don't I don't think I don't think that would change anything, to be honest. No, and, and you know, you could move it after the NBA finals, you know, like more of like a Pro Bowl type of structure. <laughs> I don't think that I'll would help. I think that. Players, nobody would go. And once their season ends, <laughs> those guys are on vacation. They're not they're not flying back from Tulum or whatever to to go play in the All-Star game. I think we just have to accept that it is what it is. And I think Adam Silver needs to stop trying to convince everybody that it's that it's something that it's not. Um, Matt Carmody, noted Bucks fan in the chat, says as a Bucks fan, it was nice to see Lillard do well. I agree. Big weekend. It was for a breakout
2: performance for him this year.
1: Yeah. Won the won the three-point shootout back-to-back. Uh, back. First guy to go back-to-back back since the great Jason Capono in 2007-2008. Uh, obviously took home All-Star Game MVP. Have we ever seen a slumping player like Lillard use the All-Star Game as a, as a means of getting his confidence back?
2: It feels like a first to me. I'm sure that if we looked hard enough, we could pluck out somebody that has done this, but three-point shooting winner and the all-star game MVP I'm not even sure that's been done before and especially for somebody who hasn't really been playing up to his standards so I I am I'm not naive enough to think that this is a spark to the season for Damian Lillard but I will be watching for it
1: so last thing on the all-star game then we'll move on we'll talk to fantasy we'll talk to futures dunk contest was a disaster Disaster. I mean, the telecast was one of the most thoroughly confusing hours of television that I've ever watched. Like the scores didn't make sense. (laughs) The dunks were bad. They completely missed a Jalen Brown dunk at one point. The camera just never turned. That didn't see the dunk. We saw it on replay. That was great. Uh, I mean, it was it was bad. I think this was as bad as it's ever been. And there's been some some pretty bad ones in the last uh, decade or so. Do we need to make the three-point contest the marquee event? Like, should that be the the end of the night? Should everything build toward the three-point shootout? Should everything, you know, maybe build toward – I think we're going to see more of this, you know, Steph Curry versus Sabrina, Steph Curry versus uh, Caitlin Clark. You know, maybe we get some other players in the mix, get some more WNBA promotion. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, that, to me, ended up being the highlight of the night, whether the NBA intended that to be the case or not. I am not an abolish the dunk contest guy. I love it too much. There's too much history. There's too many great moments over the years that have come out of the dunk contest. I think this is something where they need to find a way to motivate players. Like I I would actually be okay with them raising, you know, the payout to to participate in the dunk contest. I don't think you, I don't think you you can pay off players who are already making $50 million to try harder in the all-star game. But if you're putting five mil on the line for the winner of the dunk contest, Maybe that pushes John Morant or Zion Williamson or, you know, a a healthy shade and sharp if he was healthy this year to participate in that because it's just – it's not a good look to be bringing up half of the field from the G League every year, which is kind of what it seems like it's going to be going forward.
2: I think the easiest thing to do is what you mentioned at the top. Just move it to the front. Just move the – I think our expectations would would shift back to more of – more to be in line with what we're actually going to receive as viewers if they just didn't treat it like it was the main event because it doesn't I have to force myself to stay up for the dunk contest now I'm not excited to do it I'm just I like I have to then stand up from the couch so I don't fall asleep kind of move the three-point shooting contest does feel like it's moved into that main event stage I wouldn't be opposed and this is somewhat of a drastic idea if they just If they just melded the skills challenge with the dunk contest where you have this, you have stars that compete in the skills competition. If the dunk, a creative dunk was added to your score at the end of the skills challenge and it was all sort of all encompassing and just make the skills challenge longer, I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. The dunk contest is dead, but I don't necessarily want to see it go away either. Um, the fact that Mac McClung, who, by the way, I will have on my show later on today. So, oh, we get a chance to chat with Mac. Um, he is in the history books now with Michael Jordan as one of the only back to back winners ever. Man. Jason Richardson, Nate Robinson, Michael Jordan, and Mac McClung. That's the list. Uh, it's a no disrespect to Mac, but that's a travesty. Um, and th- they got to do, they have to do something, but. I don't think we're going to get to a point where the stars want to compete. I think that, sh- that ship has already sailed. So whatever idea they come up with, if we're going to be realistic about it, I don't think it can involve the Zions of the world. Le- you want to go back to LeBron's era ruining something? LeBron ruined this. There's no debating oh that. He's the only up-and-coming top star through the history of the NBA that didn't compete in this. Jordan did it. Kobe did it. LeBron, he. LeBron decided I'm too good for this event, and oh. then every up and coming top star that followed him said, "Yep, me too." Every single LeBron's one.
1: not a contest dunker. That's that's always been my stance on that. LeBron is LeBron to me is the best in game dunker ever, and I, I know that's might be somewhat controversial. Guys like Vince Carter and you know whoever else you want to throw out there. Look up, look up, like LeBron's top 100 dunks on YouTube, and tell me there's a, a better. Highlight reel than that. He is an in-game dunker. He is not. He, I don't think he has a bag of tricks when it comes to dunks. He, he does his, you know, cockback tomahawk. That's the go-to. You know, right? He'll pull out a windmill. You mean every to now tell me?
2: I'm talking about early. I'm talking early LeBron, like yeah. 2003 to 2006. Okay, sure. That guy is not doing some sort of pump action reverse well, dunk.
1: Maybe, because back then the standards were lower, right? I mean, you could win the dunk contest with a 360 windmill, right? Uh, now that, that's like a, a 45. Although for some reason, like the minimum score seemed to be a 47 the other night. Like the worst dunks of the night no, were this, still getting like The scoring
2: made 48. no sense. We got to, I mean, step one is remove the judges. Yeah. The abolish judge, Fred Jones. Abolish all yeah, Abolish all the judges. We don't need this. We can vote for a winner on American Idol. I'm pretty sure we can figure out how to vote for a dunk contest winner. Just put it in the app, put it in the NBA app, get more signups and have the fans vote for who they think is the, the winner. I'd be okay with that. We have get the, technology. the fans involved.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's hit some fantasy questions before we talk futures. Uh, we got some good ones in the chat here. Matt says, what's up guys. Ayo Desumu and Grant Williams are on waivers in my league. Would you drop Kelly Olynyk or Derek Lively to pick up either of them? This is a head-to-head Yahoo points league. Uh, Off the top of my head, I think I'd be comfortable dropping Olenek for either of those guys, especially Desumu. You know, Olenek, you had he had a back injury their final game before the break, so you you see, oh, he played only seven minutes. That was a little bit skewed. He had played really well in his first two games with Toronto prior to that. Um, I did bet his points over in that game. Uh, It was it was not uh, it was not voided, unfortunately. I still, you know, he's still playing backup minutes to to Jakub Um, again, the numbers look really good. He had six steals in his first two games with Toronto. So he's not a must drop by any means, but I, st- you know, when healthy, I still think he's playing like 18 to 22 minutes tops most nights, whereas to looks like he might be a high thirties minute guy, the rest of the way Levine's not coming back. Um, depends what you need. Depends what your, um, you know, what more, more so in a points league depends on your, know, your, your, your roster situation. Do you need a big man versus a guard? But I I think there's quite a bit more upside with Dasumu uh, over Olenek, for sure. Lively to me, kind of a different case. I mean, he, he missed time, you know, with the the facial injury. They brought in two big men at the deadline. We only really have one sample uh, of him playing with PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford. He had four blocks in 17 minutes uh, against the Spurs in their final game before the break. So there's not to me there's not a must drop here. But I, if you don't pick up Dasumu, somebody else is going to
2: absolutely Uh, he he should be i think he should be rostered in every league what he's been doing from three point uh three point land has been outstanding and you're getting assists you're getting a few rebounds as well um not gonna buoy you in terms of the defensive stats but look at what he's done just these last three games that he's played four made threes five and five he's shot 56 percent in the month in the month of february and like Nick said, this guy isn't going to dip below 30 minutes played the rest of the season. So he's a, he's a must add. And I'd be willing to drop a Linux as well.
1: Yeah. A Linux to me would be the top drop. And then you're, you know, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say drop a Linux for Desumu. Um I'm still, I'm just not the biggest Grant Williams guy, but he's played really well. The minutes seem like they're going to be there. Um, you know, Charlotte has really nothing on the line here. They, they want to maximize that. Um, you know, with lively, Again, in a points league, I, I think I would just take Grant Williams. I think there's going to be a higher floor there in a category league. You know, you're chasing the blocks a little bit more specifically when it comes to Lively, but I, I do worry what his role is going to be because they've looked—I mean, they've looked incredible since bringing in Washington and Gafford—and I, I think you know those those three guys in general, they probably all all their fantasy value is probably lower than it was before the deadline. Um, so I'd be I'd be okay, you know, dropping Lively in favor of Grant Williams in a points league specifically. Uh, Ian says. Would you be willing if you're willing to trade DeAndre Ayton in a nine category league? What range of rank should I be targeting? Um, okay, so you're you're offloading DeAndre Ayton. Okay with that? I don't I don't know that he's a shutdown candidate because he is so young and they they view him as a future piece, but he could be. Uh, you know, Portland is is kind of in that in that uh, bottom zone. You know, where as of right now, they would have the fifth best lottery odds. Uh, it's kind of Portland versus Charlotte for that that four spot where you have the the same odds as the the top three. So we'll see if Portland you know tries to do anything there toward the end of the year. I, I, again, I'm not I'm not opposed to offloading Aiton. You know, could you target? Could you target someone like Nurkic? Could you target someone like Jakob Purtle if you're looking for another center? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm, I think he's got a really tough market. I don't know who's buying deandre ayton at this point thinking that that's going to be the piece that puts you over the top i think you if you're going to trade him you got to get a little sneaky with it um a guy like and this would be a leap of faith but a guy like zach collins of the spurs i think would get the deal done but you're banking on the idea that when is going to be shut down at some point and then Mm -hmm. and then you're mopping you'd have the number one big for the spurs i think you'd have to make a move like that otherwise That's just going to be one of those trade offers that I think that just that just sits in your inbox. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, Daniel Gafford comes to mind, somebody we just talked about, Clint Capella. Maybe you buy low on him coming back from injury. Uh, That would be the, the general range that I would be shopping in. Uh, an unoriginal guy says, Hi, who to drop in a nine cat, 10 team league? Should he drop? I thought Keldon you were just Johnson? ripping this
2: dude, and then I saw the username.
1: No, no, we're not ripping him, man. Uh, he says, Should I drop Kelton Johnson or Herb Jones? Good question here. Uh, you know, Kelvin Johnson has, has fallen off a bit, uh, over the last few weeks. Minutes have, have started to decline for him. Uh, Spurs rotation still a mess every single night. Herb Jones, meanwhile, started to play better. Uh, had that you know month plus long stretch where he was just not really giving you much on the defensive end, which is obviously a big concern for Herb Jones. That has started to come around. He did not play well in their final game before the break, but prior to that, uh, had a pretty nice run. No Dyson Daniels for several more weeks. I mean, he could miss the rest of the season with the meniscus, and I think that's really going to help Herb Jones. So in a in a nightcat league, I would I would keep Herb Jones and I would drop Keldon Johnson. Um, you know, I mean, Kelvin Johnson. You, you, you know, you're, there's several categories that you're concerned about. Whereas Herb Jones is going to give you a much higher floor. Um, you know, Kelvin Johnson, not a good free throw shooter. The field goal percentage is all over the place. Defensive stats really tend to come and go. Um, it's actually been a little bit better lately than you'd think. But the scoring, the rebounding has been down. He doesn't really generate assists. So I would, I would drop Kelvin Johnson.
2: Yeah, Keldon Johnson is one of the more erratic players in the NBA and that, and that comes with the territory of being on a bad team, but he's also part of the reason they're a bad team in my opinion. Um not a guy that you can trust game in and game out and he gives you these spike performances, but he'll go right back. He'll go from 21 points and 16 rebounds to 7 points and and 1. You know, that yeah. uh, I I would just rather have the safety and stability of a guy that I can trust and and fills up more of those um, those categories. Herb Jones, Herb Jones rather would be the uh, choice for me as well.
1: Uh, all right, uh, Umad says Jokic and Neesmith or Luca and Bagley going forward uh, in a fourteen team nine cat head to head league. Uh, so this I, I assume you know this maybe is a trade offer that either you're throwing out there or someone has presented to you. Oh, this is tough, man. I I, I think. You know, both of these guys are so close, obviously, Jokic and, and Luka, and then Nismith and Bagley are, are comparable in their own way as well. I think I would just uh, – I, I I think I still want Jokic. You
2: yeah, see? this trade comes – when you have two players of this caliber that are two of the top five players in fantasy, the secondary player in the trade is almost irrelevant, yeah. um, especially when you're talking about names like this. So it really comes down to who do you want more, Jokic or Doncic, love both but i would still take Jokic over luka
1: yeah it's close i mean luka has been the better fantasy player for the last month or so and I, I think that should continue i mean dallas is going to be in a dogfight for seating to stay out of the play-in zone i i mean i actually i like Nismith more than i do bagley i know i said they were comparable i think i'd rather have Nismith. so to me that does that does break the tie so i would i would take the Jokic Nismith side but i'm okay with either side of this i mean luca the counting stats with, with are insane right I mean it's basically 36 10 and 10 every single night so again as we always say positional need um you know that's part of it as well if you're in a category league as you are um you know you're, you're if you need you know certain categories with Luca they're fairly comparable obviously he's going to give you more threes I think that would be the big difference um, but Neesmith is obviously going to give you way more threes than Bagley so maybe that offsets it um all right let's see Mr a not dr a Mr a says, do I drop to to pick up Keontae George?
2: Uh, No, I'd keep to am I'm, I'm really high on this guy. I love what I'm seeing. I think he's super efficient and, and the bulls are going to continue to give this guy room to grow. So I'm not, I'm not trying to move off of him.
1: Yeah. I, I think this is a prescient question because Keontae George had that crazy game before the break, right? Where he hit like, what, what did he finish with nine threes uh, in that win over Golden state? That is an outlier, Um, a big time outlier. And I don't think we see a game like that again from Keontae George. Uh, He's been like a 30, 34% three-point shooter on the year. I do think they're going to be really comparable going forward though. Keontae George is going to give you more on the defensive end. I think the minutes are absolutely going to be there. Keep in mind, Brandon, that the Utah Jazz owe a top 10 protected pick to OKC. So it seems to me that Utah has decided we want to prioritize trying to keep that pick as opposed to gunning for the 10 seed out West, which they, you know, they, they could, if they wanted to, I think they have a chance to get it. You know, you're you're competing with golden state and the Lakers primarily for that. Um, But I I think the indications that they've given around the trade deadline and how they've handled their rotation over the last few weeks, tell me that they're okay with falling back. Um, And that means probably more Keontae George down the stretch, but DeSumo has been doing it for longer. He's been more consistent. Like you said, I mean, he's shooting 58% from the field over the last 15 games, which is pretty huge. If you're in a category league, you're not going to get anything close to that from Keontae George. You know, I think they're going to be comparable in terms of turnovers. I think defensively, they'll be relatively comparable. Um, Keontae George is going to give you more assists, but I I would still rather have Desumu.
2: Uh, I'm looking at the Jazz schedule. I will say this though, and I still, I would still take Desumu as well, but just, just, I, uh, Be warned that over the next week we might look wrong because he's got Charlotte, San Antonio, Atlanta coming up, and Washington's in the mix as well after a couple of games against those Florida teams. So uh, Keontae George has a chance at some pretty splash games against the worst defenses in the NBA.
1: Yeah. It's going to be close. It's, I mean, we could be totally wrong on this. I just, I don't think one, one of these guys is going to like dramatically outpace the other. I think, I think they're both going to have elevated value. And I, I don't think you're, you're going to rue the day that you, you know, you, you picked up one and dropped the other. Uh, we've got a couple of questions on Simons. Mr. A says, will Simons be shut down? Don Sicario says, is Anthony Simons a shutdown candidate? Yes and no. Uh, I I would lean more toward yes. I I could see them shutting him down late in the year. You know, like we mentioned, Portland Portland should be interested in finding their way to a bottom four record. And, you know, right now they have 15 wins. Charlotte has 13 wins. San Antonio has 11. I I think it'll be tough to catch the Spurs. I don't think they're catching Washington or Detroit. So Charlotte versus Portland the rest of the way for those lottery odds uh, is something to monitor. I mean, Simon's is so young. He's a part of their core. They're losing games anyway with him out there. Like it's not a Malcolm Brogdon situation like that. That's DEFCON, whatever the highest DEFCON is. I don't know if it's one or eight or whatever. Uh, if we want to go like Richter scale, that's like an 8.4 shutdown. Uh, Simons to me, I'm not nearly as concerned. Again, he is young. They have not blocked up. They're not winning with him anyway. Um, but yeah, there, there is some concern there. So if, if the question is basically, you know, if you're rostering him, are you looking to get off of him with that fear in the back of your mind?
2: I, yeah, I'm not really worried about Anthony Simons as much. Malcolm Brogdon, for sure, because he's a veteran. DeAndre Ayton is a guy I would have real fear if they're going to go shutting players down. Uh, Anthony Simons is a score first player. Uh, great that he puts up the numbers that he does, but I don't think he's somebody at this point in his career that's impacting wins and losses. So you might as well just continue to let him grow as an NBA player. It would be like shutting down Scoot Henderson. Why? You know, you still, even though you're angling for a pick, and I get that, uh, you still need to grow the young players that are on your team so that when you add somebody to your roster, um, you're ready to take that step forward. They could go either way with it, but that would be my thinking, is it it would seem more counterproductive than anything else to shut him down.
1: Ant says, hey, guys, I got a log jam on the wing. Who should I drop? Josh Green? Tim Hardaway Jr. or Tari Eason in the category league.
2: Um do we have an update on when Eason is coming back? Right? Not really.
1: Was... Uh not yeah. really. And that's that's the the kicker here. Um I worry about Tari Eason specifically because it's been so long, right? We haven't seen him since New Year's Day and during that time, you know, Cam Whitmore has taken off, in um, Thompson has taken off. I think the context has changed for this Rockets team and I I just I don't know if they bring him back and say all right we're we're just handing you 25 minutes. Amen, you're you're playing 18 minutes a game again, you know, Cam Whitmore, you you're you know back to playing 15 minutes a game. Like I just I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be a ramp up period for him whenever he does return. Like he could he could be back this week. We have no idea. It could be another 2 weeks. Um you know this didn't seem like it was going to be as long term of an injury as it's turned into. So I I, I'm not saying I I don't think I need to rush out and and grab Tar Eason right now. I would say I, w- I would hold Tim Hardaway. I think there's still a decent amount of scoring upside there. And, you know, most of their moves at the deadline were concentrated in the front court. Nothing really changed for him. Josh Green, it's going to be hit or miss, right? Yeah, I think when when Luka or Kyrie are out, you know, we've seen him have some nice games. When everybody's healthy, the minutes haven't necessarily been there. You know, he's a pretty low usage player. You're, you're just hoping to get a couple of steals. Um, so I'd be, I, I would say I would be comfortable dropping Josh Green or Tari Eason. I would hold Tim Hardaway. Yeah, the
2: Eason news, I'm looking at the uh, the report at roto Lower leg injury is going to be reevaluated around this point, probably, maybe even as we speak. But experiencing lingering pain in his lower leg, that to me does not sound like uh, that. It it just sounds like one of those things that's gonna extend longer than it's supposed to. What does that even mean? Um I I would uh I would drop Taris and stop hanging on for hope.
1: Uh Jay Sizzle, eight ten, says he wanted to drop Clay Thompson for Trey Man in a nine cat ten team league. Is this a good move? Man, uh wild that we're getting this question. Uh and <laughs> this is where it makes we sense. are. I mean, Trey I, I went been at great. It. I went and added Trey man all over the place last week. Uh, He he had a great game before the break. Uh, He's really been doing everything. He rebounds really well for a guard of his size. He's playing a ton of minutes. He takes a ton of threes. Um, You know, he's handed out at least six assists in those first three games with Charlotte. So there's, there's a real case here. Um, It kind of depends if you think bench clay is going to, to be a thing here going forward. I mean, obviously went crazy 35 points off the bench, seven threes against Utah but it's been really, really spotty. Other than that, um, if you're in a category league mm. to me, it depends like how, how much do you really need the threes? Because I, I still think clay is going to be more dependable. He's going to give you a higher volume of three pointers. I think Trey man is going to give you way more counting stats overall. You're probably going to have to live with, if you're in a nine cat league, which you are, you're gonna to have to live with more turnovers. You're going to have to live with some nights where he's four or 15 from the field, but you're also going to get those from clay. So I, I think there's a real case here to to pick up Trey Mann.
2: There's definitely a case for it. It's a really good question. The fact that Clay Thompson was pushed to the bench and then started to play a lot better makes me want to hold right now rather than moving off of him. I want to see what this looks like. You know that if he does it again, and maybe even if he doesn't, this guy's going to be scooped up with the quickness. And uh, there's always another Trey Mann out there. Now, I know, I know that he's playing great, but if Clay Thompson continues to... Overperform in his new role, you're going to be sorry that you let him go. I would just wait another moment on this.
1: Uh, Trayton says, Hey, boys, sub Trayton. Should I drop Bagley, man, Tsumu, Caruso, or Middleton to pick up Asar Thompson? Hmm.
2: Well, uh, we're in on Trey, Mann. We're, we're in on, on man. Drop him. And, I think it's, yeah. I think
1: it's Caruso or Bagley for me. And I still don't know if I would do that. Uh, you know, again, with Caruso, you need the steals. and Yeah, yeah love he's the he's defensive of stats with Caruso. Yeah. yeah, so it depends on what you need, those. If you If you're good on defensive stats, I'm actually okay dropping him because he doesn't give you a whole lot else, you know, offensively, rebounding assists. Bagley is a center who plays for the Wizards, and they don't have many of those. He's got back-to-back double-doubles. He's playing a ton of minutes I, that should continue. We'll see, you know, they've started to integrate Rashawn Holmes a little bit. I don't know if that's that big of a threat. Yeah. I, you're in a pretty good spot here, man. Like I, I don't think any of those guys stand out to me as a must drop for a who ultimately is still fairly risky. Um, I, I would say this, if, if you need to move up in the standings, if you're in like fourth or fifth right now, and you're, you're kind of gunning for something, I think there's more potential upside with a than there is Caruso.
2: Yeah, um, I would lean Bagley, and and I agree. You're really targeting upside. You got to limit your expectations when it comes to Asar though. I think we already saw the best from him this year.
1: Um, he also says Dennis Schroeder and Ben Simmons are on the wire. I wouldn't touch Ben Simmons. I don't. I'm not messing around with that. Uh, Schroeder, <laughs> who knows? You uh, got a new coach in there. The great Kevin Ollie taking over in Brooklyn. I, I no. I, I don't. I don't think I would consider. Those guys, I think you're in a pretty good spot with the names that you that you brought up.
2: Yeah. Simmons Um, is a no-go for me. I added Dennis Schroeder before the week before the all-star break, right after he was traded. I thought um I'd get ahead of the game there and immediately throw him back on the waiver wire. And I I don't think I'm gonna regret it.
1: Okay, last one here. Uh Hilton says for playoffs, I have both LeBron and AD. Yahoo points head to head league. Both of them have two games in week two of the playoffs. Do I try to trade both or just LeBron? Yeah, good question. I mean, that's the thing in these these head-to-head playoff leagues is you know game count becomes huge at the end of the season in the playoffs. It's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously you got to be getting a, a pretty decent return here, and you got to hope that maybe someone else isn't paying attention to the schedule. Otherwise, you're going to have to expect to take a discount on that deal. Um, I you know I'd have to look at what the playoff schedule looks like in you know in week one and and beyond, you know, if those guys have four games in week one, four games in week three, it's like, maybe you can just survive that. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would trade both. That might be a a bit of an overreaction, but yeah. um, yeah. Then then Who do you pick? Who do you
2: pick between those two players? I think that would be the tough part too, is you're going to end up agonizing over which one can you get more for? Who do you want to hang on to? LeBron is more likely to be held out for rest purposes, but Anthony Davis is much more likely to be held out because he just simply got hurt. And so you have to weigh that as well. Um, I think I would end up in gridlock between who had actually. I, what I would do is I would just send trade offers that you know you're winning if you send them out. So uh, not unrealistic, but definitely give your give yourself the edge. Send out offers for both, and then see. You know, it's unlikely that both are going to be accepted, and just see if one sticks. Maybe just see it? who. Get a feeler for who's more valuable to your league mates. Right.
1: I believe if I'm looking at the correct week here, this is the week that begins March 17th. The Celtics have five games that week. So, you know, I mean, it sounds crazy on the surface, but do you float out like LeBron for Derek White? And, you know, you, you're you probably getting more out of five games of Derek White than you are two of LeBron.
2: I heard a stat today. Derek White leads the NBA in plus minus right now. Yeah. Not that you get... Sense fantasy points for that, but it just goes to show how how valuable he is. We we had the segment that we did weeks ago where we talked about the players that have been populated most on successful fantasy basketball rosters, and Derek White was a name that popped up that I think shocked us both. Um Yeah, that I would need a two for one on that, but I like where your head's at in terms of the strategy in place.
1: Okay, we got one more in at the at the buzzer here, Brandon Curry. Or Lillard and Kuzma in a 14-team, nine-category league? This is a a tricky one. This, to me, completely depends on if you think Damian Lillard is bouncing back from this month-and-a-half slump. If you think he is, I would take this deal 10 out of 10 times, and and I would take Lillard and Kuzma. If you think Lillard's going to keep playing like he has for the last month-and-a-half, then Curry is the the more valuable side of this. It's really eye of the beholder. I mean, Damian Lillard, it's hard to imagine he could be any worse than he's been.
2: Yeah, and as weird as this sounds, I actually think you're buying Damian Lillard at the top of the market right now because of what he did in the All-Star game. Uh, oh, come on. There are people that are going to look and, and and elevate his value. It's it's silly, um but he's he he reminded all of us it's not like oh, you won the three point shooting contest, so now he's a better fantasy player. But he reminded all of us what kind of player, what kind of abilities he has, and I wonder if that's a factor here. So I do think, even if it's fictitious, I think mm-hmm. his his value. You, I'd rather buy low on Damian Lillard than to get him now. I'd rather have Curry anyway.
1: All right, we'll end on this. Will you bless this blockbuster trade, Giannis for Shea, uh, in a in a category league? Yes. I would. Uh, If it's category league, I I would absolutely rather have Shea. Um, Obviously the free throw percentage is the the big differentiator here in a points league. It's still close. Giannis has been the better fantasy player by about three fantasy points per game. Um, But in a cat league, I I think you got to go Shea. It's really not that. I mean, they're separated by like a round, round and a half right now.
2: If Nikola Jokic wasn't uh, um, the star that he was, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at this point would be a lock for NBA MVP, and a lot of that is because of his efficiency shooting, the way he shares the basketball, and what he does on defense. All things that factor into what make him a great fantasy asset. This year, it is Shea. I agree. So, blessed.
1: All right. Good questions. As always, guys, we got, we got so many that we couldn't even talk futures, Brandon, which is uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but we'll hit those next week. Uh, we'll talk about those on both of the Rotowire shows on Sirius XM. You can hear us 12 to 2 PM Eastern Monday through Thursday on Sirius XM fantasy. And you can listen to the Rotowire NBA show on Sirius XM NBA radio, seven to seven 30 PM Eastern. We talk fantasy, we talk gambling, we get you ready for every NBA slate. We'll be back tomorrow night for that. Uh, once games resume, Brandon, good stuff as always, man. We'll talk next Wednesday.
2: Bye guys.